Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM. Let's create. Welcome to episode number 152 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And with eight of the ten Power Five and Group of Five conference previews done, we will hit the final two from the Group of Five on today's show, the Sun Belt and Conference USA. It's been a long, weird summer, hasn't it, Tony? Yeah, it seems to get stranger. I mean, you know, college football season is on, and then you see teams are delaying the start. We see that uh, this week one of the Conference USA teams, Louisiana, uh, teams in Conference USA, Louisiana Tech, was ready to kick off their season against Baylor. That game's been postponed. Now there's talk about the Big Ten basically starting their season much earlier than they had originally postponed it to. So just strange things. Yeah, it's it's lot lots going on and and lots still to be seen and you know who knows even what happens once everything kind of gets going and we will get right into this week's show after this word from our sponsor. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And while you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And for two Jets season ticket holders used to being at those games. That just might have to act as our replacement for live action, Tony. And especially if you got a refund on the money you spent on those season tickets, there's nowhere to spend them now unless somehow the uh, Jets or the Giants open up the uh, season to fans later on in the season. And that would certainly be me. I got my refund, Tony. And from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all those great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, before we get to those two conferences we mentioned earlier, NFL teams had to cut rosters down to 53 players this past weekend. And as usual, there were plenty of late-round picks who didn't make the cut and plenty of undrafted free agents who did some of those UDFAs were guys you'd have never thought would make an active roster after they were signed in April. Tony, which player surprised you the most? I've, I got to say it's Sam Franklin of uh, Temple, the former college linebacker who was moved to strong safety. I'm very happy that, uh, that Franklin made it. He was a guy that I absolutely loved watching at Temple. He was fast. He's explosive. He was fierce. He was constantly around the action, but he was small. So he was basically what we're seeing more and more of from the college ranks, undersized run-and-chase type linebackers with safety size. What does Carolina do? They sign him. He does incredibly well during camp. And guess what? He's now number two on the depth chart at the strong safety position. 
also is going to have to really earn his wage uh, on special teams. But I was absolutely enthralled uh, to see that Sam Franklin made it. Uh, ironically, he's back with former Temple coach Matt Rule, although I don't think uh, Rule coached Franklin at all at Temple. But he's got that Rule type of mentality, just an explosive guy who's always flying around the action. And the other one who I'm not really all that surprised to see, but it's a good story and somebody to keep an eye on, is James Robinson with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, James Robinson enters the 2019 college season considered or graded as a potential mid-round choice by scouts. Doesn't have the senior season. Many expected. Was okay at the Shrine game. Was okay at the Combine. Hassan is an undrafted free agent. And guess what? James Robinson is going to be starting for Jacksonville this, this week in week one. The Jaguars cut Leonard Fournette. Reichwell Armstead goes on the COVID-19 list. And James Robinson, an undrafted free agent, is going to be the primary carrier this week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and the crazy thing about that is uh, Divine Zigbo might not even play on Sunday. I think he missed practice on Wednesday. So not only could James Robinson start, but he could be getting 15 to 17 touches, which I mean, you watch him on film, you know, he's a bigger guy, but he's got some nice burst and, you know, you like what you see out of him, but you don't expect him to come in and not only essentially push a former top five pick at running back completely off the roster, which, you know, they came out and said later on that a big reason they were willing to cut Leonard Fournette is because of what James Robinson showed them in camp. I mean, that's just kind of unheard of. I mean, we know all the stories about undrafted running backs uh, making waves in the league, uh, but th this story is kind of just as interesting as, as a lot of the others, if not more so. And what makes it all interesting is, you know, there hasn't been any preseason games. So while there's been full contact, I mean, there's been no real game action. And really, you know, talk about being thrown into the deep end of the pool. James Robinson's going to experience that this Sunday. So who are yours, Chris? Oh, well, the first one for me is uh, looking towards Kansas City, Super Bowl champs, the team that, you know, we talked about in our draft review as they only had six draft picks, but they didn't have that many holes to fill on their roster because it's a very deep team. But yet, Tershawn Wharton from Missouri Science and Technology ends up making the Chiefs roster. Now, he's definitely a scheme fit for them. He's an explosive three technique, weighed in around 280 pounds during Shrine Week. But I mean, still a surprise to see him make this kind of team. I mean, they brought in a bunch of name UDFAs as well that we talked about on that show. And, you know, they also used a draft pick at defensive tackle each of the prior two drafts in Derek Nottie and Colin Saunders. I mean, by all accounts, Wharton had a great camp. But I think a lot of this, too, is kind of situational. Without Mike Pinnell getting suspended for the first two games, I think Wharton probably winds up on the practice squad. Chiefs also had a bunch of injuries in camp to defensive linemen, so more reps for Wharton allows him to kind of show out. I think eventually he probably ends up back down on the practice squad, maybe as soon as week three when Pinnell returns, but he's a local kid in Kansas City, Missouri, so he's a good story, but really a developmental player who probably just got some good fortune to make the team, but as they say, luck is the residue of design, so I mean, a lot of credit goes to him for putting himself in position to take advantage of this opportunity when he got it. The other big surprise to me was Sean McKeon making the Dallas Cowboys as their number four tight end. Uh, Dallas played most of 2019 with three tight ends on the roster. And granted, Jason Witten and Blake Jarwin soaked up a ton of snaps, but then Dallas goes in the first round and they draft CeeDee Lamb, who should play more than Randall Cobb did as the number three receiver behind Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And what does that mean? It means fewer two tight end sets, especially with Witten gone and nobody really pushing for snaps behind Jarwin. So they go from last year having 
one true backup in Jarwin, a guy playing, you know, a third to two fifths of the snaps. Now they're keeping four tight ends. Three of them are going to be more or less pure backups and they are going to need fewer reps at the position. Also, I just don't really see what McKeon brings to the table that Dalton Schultz doesn't. He's not really a better blocker. He's not a better athlete, not really a better receiver. Blake Bell, really just a blocker on the depth chart. But to me, McKeon just seems a bit redundant with the backups they already have and seem kind of unlikely to use as much anyway. And he's not a guy either with a ton of upside that's going to develop into a legit number two at the position either. I really think that says, or at least lends one to believe that Dalton Schultz has been a big disappointment. Because if you remember, a lot of people thought that Dalton Schultz was going to be a terrific second day pick. He fell into the third day, fell into the fourth round. I always thought he was a little bit overrated, but I mean, you would expect him to be higher up on the depth chart. Getting back to Wharton, Wharton showed some flashes of dominance during Shrine Bowl week. I still remember him. He was very explosive, incredibly quick. The only problem with him was he's small. I mean, he looks small on the field, uh, but he plays big. It's a good story. One last guy that I got to uh, mention here, and I caught this one late, Dan Chisena. Uh, starting or, or on the depth chart, undrafted free agent on the depth chart, for the receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. I dare say that the only true scouting report on Dan Chisena before last April's draft could be found at Pro Football Network because someone kept talking to me about Chisena, kept talking to me about him. I think he had three receptions. And the fact is, Chisena is a guy who is a sprinter trying to become a football player. And for him to make the active roster in Minnesota, who does need speed at, uh, at the receiver position, who did draft or did select two receivers in, in last year's draft, including Justin Jefferson uh, and, round, and the first round, really says a lot. So that was a, a, a big shocker. Glad to see it. I thought the very worst, he was a practice squad player. For him to make the active roster was something else. Yeah, it's definitely hard to uh, put together a scouting report on a guy when he only has three career college catches and probably fewer than 10 targets. But, you know, Tony, you wound up being able to do it and, and look at you, only scouting report on the internet and the guy's now on an active roster. That, that report might be getting a lot of hits in uh, the North Country now. I would hope so. You know, it's one of those situations where when you're scouting Chisena, you're absolutely not watching the ball because he's really not involved in too many plays. And you're trying to you're not manufacturing things, but you're trying to project some things. But still, it's a good story. Guy's got great upside. It's just a matter of him transitioning that athletic skill and that speed into football ability. Now, we've said enough about the NFL back to the college gridiron and onto Conference USA, which had 10 players selected in April's draft, one in the third round, that was Charlotte's Alex Highsmith, and five picks in the fourth round. The fourth round was more Conference USA picks than a lot of the Power Five conferences. Uh, Two of those guys went to the New York Jets, including Highsmith's teammate Cameron Clark and friend of the show James Morgan, quarterback from Florida International. Now, conference play is set to kick off this weekend for Conference USA. Tony, what are your expectations for the conference in next year's draft? They got two potential second-day picks that we will get to. I've got eight guys that I stamped with draftable grades, but only three of them are seniors. So it was really an, a, a very much an underclassman heavy class, if you will, from conference USA, which is a league that really doesn't have a lot of underclassmen uh, make the jump and opt out for their uh, junior senior campaign to, to enter the NFL draft. Now we won't cover every team from the conference, just the ones with relevant 2021 draft prospects. 
And that starts with Louisiana Tech, back-to-back fourth-round defensive backs drafted back in April, Legereus Sneed and Amik Robertson. Ten picks the past five drafts, but there is a chance no Bulldogs get taken in 2021. No draftable seniors. Tony already mentioned kind of the dearth of those types of players in this conference. But junior defensive end Milton Williams is an intriguing prospect. 59 tackles, nine for loss, five and a half sacks as a first-year starter in 2019. Just needs to develop a bit more physically. If he's able to do that this season, maybe we see him next year. If not, definitely sometime in 2022. Wide receiver Adrian Hardy is the top senior on the depth chart. His numbers dropped from over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns in 2018 to just 42 catches for 534 yards and one score last season. Malik Stanley transferred in from South Alabama and took a lot of looks. Some other receivers on the roster took steps forward, but Hardy really didn't. And and that's kind of the story of his past couple of seasons. He's going to find it hard to get himself drafted unless he's able to separate from his teammates during the 2020 season. Has to have a big campaign this fall and then has to run very well prior to the combine. He's got decent size, 6'1", prior to the combine, prior to the draft, I should say. Uh, he's got decent size, 6'1", 202 pounds. He's got nice-sized hands. I mean, he showed a lot of ability as a freshman and sophomore before his game really dropped off. So you don't want a player who seems to be who, who seems to have leveled off or regressing. That's the situation with Hardy. Milton Williams has got a bit of an upside. As you said, he's got to fill out physically. He's got good speed. He plays very hard. I could see him as a uh, potential two-gap end because he's got some growth potential and he's got that explosion. One guy to keep an eye on, Isaiah Graham, the other receiver. Was not graded by scouts, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about him. Someone who, you know, if Adrian Hardy does not really step it up, Isaiah Graham could be the main target. And if he is, his draft stock will take off. Now, Marshall had two selections this year, including fifth-round kicker Justin Rohrwasser to New England. And Rohrwasser was actually the second-highest draft pick to get cut and sent to a practice squad. Only Kenny Robinson was drafted higher and did not make an active roster. The Thundering Herd had previously went four years without a draft pick, but they should start a nice little streak in 2021, assuming the character concerns check out on senior offensive tackle Josh Ball. Transferred from Florida State, didn't start for the Herd last season, but he's long, strong, and athletic. He's got a second-day grade from some scouts and really could easily be one of the highest-drafted players from Conference USA next year. Big guy, athletic, mean, long arms, strong at the point, flew it out to the second level, can block in motion, was rotated in and out of the lineup last year because of the fact that Marshall had two established starters at the tackle position. But when he was on the field, he was hands down the best offensive lineman at Marshall. Guy's got a lot of upside. I've given him a fourth-round grade. So scouts right now, the earliest they grade him is a fourth-rounder, but they feel that if he plays up to his potential, could be a second-rounder. Does have some baggage, does have some off-the-field issues, which are going to have to be inspected, which go back to his days at Florida State. Some conflicting stories. We'll see what happens. But a real good tackle with both size as well as growth potential and someone who could line up at left tackle and be used in his own blocking-type system. So those guys are going to be highly sought out uh, on draft day. Now heading over to North Texas, the Mean Green have not had a player drafted since 2004. One of the longer droughts we've mentioned over the past couple months, I think Air Force had a slightly longer drought, but that could change for North Texas in 2021. Defensive tackle Dion Noville, the top senior prospect, has a sixth-round grade on Tony's board. In Noville is an explosive three technique. 
made 61 tackles, 13 for loss, three and a half sacks in 2019. Also has some weight and power to him as well. Just needs to play with it a bit more consistently. Junior wide receiver Jair Shorter is the top overall prospect on the Mean Green board. Nine touchdown catches on just 24 receptions in 2019. Jalen Darden should still lead this receiving corps, especially after his three-touchdown opener last weekend. But Shorter has good size and big playability, but more of a 2022 prospect unless he steps up his production in a big way this year. Yeah, I, I mean, when you watch uh, the film, Shorter stands out because he's so tall. He comes in, he's listed about 6'3", 212 pounds, but it's one of these situations where he may be even taller because he is an opposing target and he catches everything that's thrown in his, uh, in his direction. Darden, he's smaller, 5'7 175 pounds, but he's fast. He's a terrific vertical receiver who could be used as a return specialist. He plays big football, but the problem is he just gets overmatched by larger defensive backs. I think he's a guy who could potentially make it as a slot receiver, return guy at the next level, occasionally used to run some reverses. I don't know that he's going to get drafted, though. I do like Dion Norville a lot. He's quick. He's explosive. He's a guy who's got a great first step. He fights hard. The problem for Norville is he's a little bit short. He comes in at six foot one. And he does not always play with good pad level, which means he gets a little bit tall, which neutralizes that explosion off the snap. He's got to play with better fundamentals. As you said, I've given him a six, I've handed him a six round grade. A lot of scouts feel he's more priority free agent type, but he's a very explosive defensive lineman who makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. And if he shows that, if he shows that this year and steps up his game could easily slide into the late rounds. A Southern Miss placed Quez Watkins in round six back in April. Ten overall draft picks, the last nine events. And another receiver is atop the Golden Eagles board for 2021, and that is senior Tim Jones. 73 catches for 902 yards and three touchdowns in 2019, working behind Watkins. Had six catches for 139 yards against South Alabama last Thursday. Some scouts trade him as draftable. Tony, you have him as a UDFA. But if he can keep putting up numbers like he did last week, that could probably change. Decent size. He's got a nice build. He's got consistent hands. My concern with him is speed. He's more of a mid to a low four five guy. And I think you just got to run faster than that these days. Uh, you know, some scouts think he's a six rounder. I, I just, he's a good receiver. I just don't see anything that physically separates him from other receivers or makes him a draftable prospect. They do have an offensive lineman by the name of Bryce Foxworth, who I like a lot. Six, two and a half, 308 pounds, a tough slug it out type of guy. Uh, someone who gets the most from his ability, doesn't have a high upside, but I think someone who can be, you know, a, an inexpensive utility back up at the next level. And I mean, what is going on at Southern Miss? One game into the season, they let the coach go. And this day and age with buyouts and things like that, that was a very strange move after Losing a tough game to South Alabama, but Southern Miss has been a, a relatively competitive program that's seen the, the postseason, and, and there's not a lot of people banging down the doors to go to Southern Mississippi. Yeah, something else has to be going on there. Maybe we'll find out more in the coming days about what really happened there. But we'll move on now to UAB. No draft picks for the Blazers since 2015, just three over the past decade. But they have a player on their hands in junior linebacker Jordan Smith. He was one of the several Florida players, if you remember, that was suspended back in 2017 for that infamous credit card fraud scam. He sat out the 2018 season after transferring to UAB, but really blew up last year with 53 tackles, 17 of them coming for a loss, 
10 sacks and four forced fumbles. He's extremely tall, but he moves well in space despite that. He gets behind the line of scrimmage to make plays. He's got good athleticism and a frame that really should be able to add a lot of weight and get him drafted on day two whenever he does declare. Wide receiver Austin Watkins is the top UAB senior on the board. He's the Blazers' leading receiver in 2019. 57 catches for 1,092 yards and six touchdowns. Caught seven passes for 72 yards in their opener last week. Considered a late-round pick in the scouting community. Tony, I know you're not quite as high on Watkins as scouts are, and obviously you don't have him graded anywhere near as high as you do Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with Smith. I mean, right now I've got a second, third round grade on him. He was a guy who just, I mean, he was brilliant at times last year, forcing the action up the field, getting behind the line of scrimmage, devastating offensive tackles, but also showing the ability to drop off the line of scrimmage and play in space in coverage. Very athletic, very strong, started off a little bit slow against Central Arkansas, by the time that this podcast is put out for everyone to listen to, UAB has a game this evening, Thursday evening, against Miami. And everyone talks about Gregory Rousseau, who won't be playing. Keep an eye on Smith because he is a guy who, uh, when he's on his game, he is tough to stop. And this will give him some national exposure against the Miami uh, Hurricanes. People who aren't watching the NFL game may tune into this. As far as Austin Watkins is concerned, uh, he's got decent size. He's got decent hands, a little bit spotty and average speed. I grade him as a priority free agent. There are some scouts who grade him as a, a potential seventh round pick. Uh, he's solid, but again, you know, like the Southern miss receiver, uh, Tim Jones, just nothing physically separates him or stands out to me. That would make him a draftable prospect. They do have a running back there by the name of Spencer Brown, a bigger guy, 5'11, 230 pounds, sort of a bowling ball who, you know, just barrels over people. Some scouts grade him as a late rounder. I think he's more free agent type because he's a bit one dimensional in his game. Now heading to our final team that we'll cover here from conference USA. And that is Western Kentucky, a two year draft route for the Hilltoppers after they had 10 total selections from 2013 through 2018. But like UAB Western Kentucky might have a day two linebacker on its hands in senior D'Angelo Malone, a massive 2019 campaign for Malone, 99 tackles, 21 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks after an impressive sophomore season as well. Now Malone would be quite undersized for an NFL pass rusher, but he's a good athlete. And as seen in those tackle numbers, he's pretty effective beyond just rushing the passer. And he could end up being a high draft pick as a potential Jack of all trades type of linebacker. Yeah. I mean, he's a lot like Jordan Smith, except he's got a size disadvantage to Smith, which is why I have Jordan Smith of UAB, graded just a smidgen higher. But D'Angelo Malone, you could probably make the case he's quicker, he's faster, he's more explosive, he's better in pursuit. Uh, I absolutely agree. I mean, they use him up the field a lot, and he makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. He may struggle doing that in the NFL at 6'3", 233 pounds, but he's very athletic and he's multidimensional, which is why right now I grade him as a late second, early, early third round pick which is right in line where we're scouts who I've talked to have him drafted. They've got another pass rusher to keep an eye on, Jawan Jones, similar type of player, undersized college defensive end hybrid linebacker who gets off the snap, fires up the field, can bend the edge. Right now I've got a, a six-round grade on him. Uh, obviously he's going to take a back seat to D'Angelo Malone, but 
he's going to get a lot of production because of the fact that teams are double teaming D'Angelo Malone so much. And now we'll move on to the final conference we'll preview this summer, the Sun Belt. Seven players drafted from the Sun Belt in 2020, all of whom came from three schools and all of which we will discuss shortly. Those selections were highlighted by Louisiana's Robert Hunt in round two and App State's Barrington Evans and Akeem Davis-Gaither in round three and the first pick of round four, respectively. Tony, are we going to see another seven Sun Belt players picked in 2021? Well, right now I actually have eight with draftable grades and all but two are seniors. So I think there's a chance that you could probably see six seniors from the Sun Belt drafted more if under if the, the underclassmen enter, although I think most of the guys, most of the players, except for one, are late round, sixth, seventh round type of, uh, of draft picks. Now, starting with the aforementioned Appalachian State, they're on an every other year pattern over the last five drafts, which could continue three prospects that they have grayed out right on the edges of draftable territory. Junior cornerback Sean Jolly is small but fast, made plenty of plays on the ball last season in his first year as a starter. Five interceptions, returned two of them for touchdowns, and also added eight pass breakups. Junior linebacker DeMarco Jackson is the leading returning tackler on the team with 60 stops. He's a really good run defender who also has the potential to expand his game as a potential three-down player. And lastly, senior defensive end Demetrius Taylor, 44 tackles last year, 13 for loss with seven sacks, three forced fumbles, and he also broke up four passes. So did a lot of things on the field for App State. Kind of a tweener, though, when it comes to size, which relegates him more to the late rounds. But the guy can really play football. He just might need the right fit to make an impact in the NFL. A tremendous football player. A guy that is constantly impacting games, not just against lower level of competition. If you can, go back and watch that North Carolina game last year. I mean, he almost single-handedly led App State to a victory over North Carolina with his ability to make big plays. I, I believe he even scored a touchdown in that game. But he's six foot, one half inch, 278 pounds. He's probably going to run and, and time in the four nines. Like you said, I, I mean, he is he, he's, he's the type of guy, a Mike Vrabel type of uh, defensive lineman, if you will, that a coach like Bill Belichick would have to select or that, that type of coach would have to select and then use him you know, in some specific sort of role, whether it's standing up over tackle, whether it's standing up at a defensive tackle position, whether it's being used at middle linebacker, moving him around. I have no doubt Demetrius Taylor, if he wants to, will make an NFL roster and be a situational defender and a special teams player. I just don't think he's going to be a high draft pick because there really is no true fit for him. Sean Jolly, uh, the cornerback, and DeMarco Jackson both bring a lot of skill. Uh, Appalachian State has actually four receivers that I don't think are going to be selected in the draft next year, but they're going to be signed as uh, undrafted free agents. Corey Sutton's got decent size at 6'2", 190 pounds. Thomas Hennigan is a little bit shorter, but he's got he's, he uh, weighs in about 205 pounds. These are more possession-type receivers. Both of those guys always catch the ball when it's thrown in their direction. They don't have great upside, but they are the types of players that could, off of a good senior year, get a free agent contract, and then potentially make a roster as a fifth or sixth receiver at the next level. Now, Georgia Southern comes in next on our list. Also had two picks in April, cornerback Kendall Vildor in round five and kicker Tyler Bass in round six. 
Vildor was really the leader of the Eagles secondary in 2019, but junior safety Kenderick Duncan Jr. has far more NFL upside than his former teammate, rated as a second-day prospect right now, had 79 tackles, two interceptions, and eight pass breakups last season. As Tony likes to say, and as he said earlier on the show, he's really what the NFL likes in linebackers these days, except he's a defensive back who has range and ball skills. He's also a forceful run defender, easily the most exciting prospect out of the Sun Belt this season. But his teammate, Raymond Johnson III, the senior defensive end, is a pretty good player in his own right. 33 tackles, seven of them for loss, and three sacks in 2019. Unlike Duncan, he's a bit undersized for the position he plays, but he has good athleticism to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. He makes plays in pursuit. Tony, is it going to be another two-pick draft for Georgia Southern? Well, it will if Duncan enters the draft, which I don't know whether or not he's going to do. But, you know, as I wrote, as I said in the piece that I wrote for uh, Pro Football Network, which will be up in the coming days, a year ago, or not even a year ago, earlier this year when I was breaking down the Sun Belt film and watching the three defensive backs from Georgia Southern, including Kendall Vildor, it was one guy, the safety, who kept standing out to me, Kendrick Duncan. Now, I really wasn't scouting him at the time because I was watching the three senior uh, cornerbacks. But when I went back and watched the film just a couple of years ago, everything that I thought I saw about Duncan uh, six, seven months ago was absolutely true. He is just a playmaker. 6'2", 218 pounds. He's a fierce hitter against the run. He's a terrific open field tackler, and he's got real good ball skills. I'm not just talking about playing in his own type system. They will occasionally place him over the slot receiver, or he will come up in coverage assignments and play the receiver man-to-man, and he does an outstanding job. I'm a little concerned about the long speed, the deep speed. He seems like a guy who's going to run in the mid four fives, but he is someone who can play football. When I was watching the film, I texted a friend in the league who covers Georgia Southern. And I said, wow, you know, I really like Kendrick Duncan. And this guy who's, like I said, is in tune with Georgia Southern uh, that's scouting that area said, yeah, he said he is a really good player. So he is well, even though people on the outside don't talk about him, people in the scouting community have uh, Kendrick Duncan Jr. on their radar. I got him as, as Chris said, as a late second, early third round pick. I think he could go up even higher. We'll have to wait and see when he enters and what he runs. I like Raymond Johnson a lot. You know, Raymond Johnson is, is sort of, he doesn't make as many plays as uh, App State uh, defensive lineman Demetrius Taylor, but he's got better size. He is as explosive. He's also got some growth potential at six two and a half. The problem with Johnson is Georgia Southern plays a three-man front, and Draymond Johnson's got the body for a four-man front. So I think he's a conventional defensive end at the next level who I think is deserving of a late-round choice and then could be a backup defensive end on Sunday. Now heading over to the state of Louisiana for our final two teams, Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns, also known as Louisiana. Either way you slice it, they had a couple of players drafted last year in addition to the aforementioned Robert Hunt. Also had fellow offensive lineman Kevin Dotson taken in round four and running back Raymond Calais in round seven. Now Calais was part of a three-back committee in 2019, and really he was the number three guy behind both Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. Mitchell, 198 carries for 1,147 yards and 16 touchdowns last year. He's got good size, 
falls forward for extra yardage, got quick feet in small spaces on the inside, but he lacks great burst and athletic ability. Not really a back who you expect to turn the corner, whereas Regis is that kind of back. In addition to having similar size to Mitchell, 116 carries for 820 yards and 11 scores in 2019. Obviously, this running game was extremely productive. Both of these guys have early day three grades from some scouts. I'd personally like to see more receiving production from each of them, but as a whole, these two and Calais only combined for 26 catches last season from QB Levi Lewis. And even Lewis is actually somewhat exciting in his own right. Yeah, I think it's more the quarterback and the and the system that they play where they really don't throw to the backs more than it is that these guys can't catch the ball because when they're thrown in their direction, uh, they do a good job. It's sort of pick your poison with uh, Mitchell Aragas. I mean, both are good downhill. I have Mitchell graded slightly higher. I could see why people may like Regis a little bit more. Regis in some areas of the scouting community is graded as a fourth-round pick, as is Mitchell. Uh, I think these guys are more, more situational type backs, third-down type of ball carriers, maybe your number four at the next level who can do a lot of little things very well. Both are decent blockers. I think Mitchell's a bit of a better blocker. Um, but they both have next-level futures. A lot will depend on how they run. You know, they've got it at 220-pound area, both of them. You're going to want them to run no uh, no slower than the four sixes. So if they can run in the mid to high four fives, I think both are selected in the draft. Now to wrap up our summer previews, we'll head to Louisiana Monroe. No players drafted in April, just two since 2007 but they could match that just next year. Warhawks have two senior prospects graded as draftable. Running back Josh Johnson is the first. 201 carries for 1,298 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2019, similar to Elijah Mitchell, who we just talked about in terms of size and the fact that the strength of his game is running downhill and doesn't really affect the game too much as a receiver. Not coincidentally, he grades out right in the same range as Mitchell does. Tight end Josh Peterson, 43 catches for 567 yards and nine touchdowns last season. Now he lacks that top end type of speed. He's not a burner up the seam, but he's a good pass catcher. He's consistent and reliable and a guy who could earn himself a late round pick and a shot at an NFL roster spot next year. A real good potential move tight end who does the little things well. Really a terrific pass catcher. I'll be interested to see how fast he runs because I think that will determine whether or not uh, he is eventually selected in the draft. I have him as a late seventh rounder. Most scouts feel he's more uh, priority free agent on the fringe of being a priority free agent. He's a good player, though. Whenever you watch uh, Louisiana Monroe, when they are on TV, he's making the catch. He's occasionally breaking it downfield. Uh, he makes the difficult catch in a crowd, uh, and, and he always gives effort as a blocker. Josh Johnson is more of a bowling ball type runner. I mean, he's a guy who just carries the rock for Louisiana Monroe. At time, he's only 218 pounds, but he's impossible to tackle. You see him carrying the pile for a while, uh, for yards at a clip. Never is tackled by the first the defender. Always picking up a lot of yardage off initial contact. I have him graded as a late sixth rounder. There are some scouts who feel he can go in the early sixth round. The only thing is five eight and a half, 218 pounds. Evidently, gets he's got small hands and never throw the ball uh, in his direction more of a one-dimensional type of player. But if you're looking for that bowling ball type of back that can run downhill between the tackles, Josh Johnson is someone you'd look to in the late rounds. That's it for the 152nd episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. 
do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter. We'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week with lots of actual football to discuss, or at least some actual football. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.